Hey. <laughs> well, that was uh, our lame bumper attempt. Um, <laughs> that's all right. You know what series we're in. If you don't, it's called Strange Things, and uh, we are in this series where we're looking at these these uh, strange things that we do as Christians uh, that really uh, are different than, than how much of the world operates. Uh, and, and I've said, you know, yes, these things might be a little strange, but maybe we need a little strangeness in our, in our lives. Because when I look around at the world and I see the normal that the world has to offer, it just doesn't seem to be working for us. Uh, anymore. So th these things are, are life-giving, and that's my hope for this series, that this series, as we step into these things, will be life-giving for us. And I do want to give you a heads up, by the way, next week, we are kicking off a new series, has to do with how do we love each other well. I mean, if we were to be honest, relationships can be tough, they can be a strain. Uh, how do we love people like Jesus? How do we love people when we've been criticized? How do we love people when we've been hurt or feel disrespected? How do you stick it out uh, as Jesus calls us to, to do? And so my hope is for that series starting next week, it's going to help us to love people well, to love people. Maybe it's your marriage, your spouse. Uh, maybe it's a, someone in your family uh, that can be difficult at times, uh, someone that you work with, someone you go to school with. Uh, but even right here at Edinburgh Church, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to elevate our love for one another as a, as a church family. So be here next week as we kick off that series. But today we are wrapping up our Strange Things series. And I'm ending with this topic, the topic of worship. And, and when I say worship, I specifically mean singing songs to God. Okay, singing songs, singing what we call worship songs or praise songs to God. And if you really do step back and think about it, it's kind of an interesting thing that we do. Uh, you, there's not a lot of places out there outside of the church where they gather on a, on a weekly basis and just start singing songs, right? Maybe some of you are in school and you have a music class and maybe you do some of that. Uh, maybe you sing Sweet Caroline at a baseball game, right? But... This idea of getting together on a regular basis and just singing is kind of a strange concept. It's something we do, and yet it's something that God commands us to do. His word teaches us to do. It's something that God's people have always done. It's something that God's people will always do. We will be worshiping God in heaven forever and ever, and it's something we're called to do right now. I just want to show you a few scriptures on this, this topic of singing. Psalm 100, one of my favorite psalms. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. I love that. Shout for joy. Worship the Lord with, with gladness. Come before him with what? Joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It's this idea we come into church with thanksgiving in our heart for who he is. And we sing songs of praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You've got Psalm 95. It says, come, let us do what? Sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with? 
we extol him with music and song. By the way, some uh, traditions say, should we have music in our worship? Well, right here, music and song. You get into the New Testament, Ephesians 5. The Apostle Paul tells us to be filled with the Spirit. And then listen to how he says, it's interesting, speaking to one another. But he's not really talking about speaking. He's actually talking about singing. Because look at what he says. How do we do that? How do we speak to one another? With psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Something we're supposed to do to each other. In the presence of each other. And even Jesus, you maybe never thought about this, but did you realize that Jesus sang worship songs? Jesus worshiped his heavenly father in that way. In fact, he knew when he was going to the Mount of Olives after the Last Supper, he knew he was going to be arrested and handed over to be crucified. What did Jesus want to do on that occasion right before he goes to the Mount of Olives? Well, the Bible tells us. Matthew 26 says, when they had sung a hymn, then they went out to the Mount of Olives. What did he want to do? He wanted to strengthen himself through Song. So, friends, we see this all throughout the Bible, this, this concept of singing songs to God, of what we call worship, okay? Now, a simple definition of worship is this. Worship is simply the expression of what you treasure. That's what, what, what worship is. So I want you to think about it. There's an action involved to it. You're doing something. You're expressing what's already in your heart, something you value, something you treasure, something that has worth. In fact, that's where we get the, the word worship. It, it actually comes from an, an, an old word meaning worthiness. So you could think of it as worth-ship. You are expressing yourself towards something or someone that has great worth in your life, something you treasure, something that you, you love. And of course, singing songs isn't the only way we do this. In fact, everything we've talked about in this series is a form of worship. Week one, we talked about communion. Wanting to spend time with Jesus in communion is an act of worship. Just wanting to be with him. And by the way, we're going to celebrate communion next week as we kick off the love series. Uh, we, we talked about baptism. I want you to think about it. Just getting in front of others, having the courage to say, Jesus, I'm, 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 I'm in this thing. I'm a follower of yours. I'm, I'm all in for you. And then... Get baptized, get dunked, right? Get, take that plunge in front of other people is an act of, of great worship. Uh, of course, giving our finances to see God's kingdom advance and build up the church is an act of worship. Serving others is an act of worship. And by the way, as you heard Pastor Joshua say, we're going to need some worshipers come this fall. As we go to two services, we're going to need some worshipers if we're going to do two services well, especially down in our children's ministry area. We're going to need some worshipers around here to serve and express their love for God in that way. But of course, the Bible also talks about this aspect of singing, singing songs, okay, to, to, to God. And if, you're, if you've been around Edinburgh Church for a while, uh, you know that generally when you come in here to the worship center, we sing roughly around four songs every week. Every Sunday, we're going to sing about four songs. But what you maybe don't know is that this is not the only place in the building where worship is happening. Did you know our kids down on the other area? Guess what they're doing? Maybe even right now. They are singing worship songs to God. When our youth group kicks up, when uh, kicks off again, swap on Wednesday nights, guess what they're going to do? They're going to spend some other time 
worshiping God, singing songs to God. This is something that God's people do. We sing to God as an expression of our love for him. Now, I know some of you would say singing isn't your thing. I know for some of us, we're like, worship isn't really my thing. I hear people say that from time to time. And maybe you say, you know, I'm not really a good singer. I don't really like to sing. Listen, I can relate to you. I am not a good singer. Okay, when I start to sing, dogs start howling. <laughs> Cats have been known to go into heat, okay? I am not a good singer. In fact, the staff has stopped letting me lead the happy birthday song for other staff members. We usually end up in like some minor key and it feels more like a funeral by the end, okay? So I get it. Not, not, singing is not everyone's gift. I admire people like Caleb, people who can, who can sing and can sing well. But we are still commanded to sing, regardless of how well we can sing. I know others of us, we're like, ah, but this modern-day worship stuff, why, why, we, you know, why do we have to repeat the chorus so many times? Right? And, and by the way, if you ask a worship pastor, why do we repeat the chorus so many times? You know what they're going to tell you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that, that was my really bad joke. For the morning. Thank you for letting me get it out of my system. Okay, no, I'll tell you why we repeat the song. And there's actually an important reason why we do it, why we repeat those choruses and repeat those lines. Because I know sometimes I feel it in here. Sometimes I feel like, oh my goodness, how many times are we going to say that? Okay, what do I do with this? But have you ever stopped to think that, friends, maybe the reason we're, we're repeating those lines is because the more we repeat it, it's an opportunity for these truths to go from our head into our heart? When we get into heaven, you know what we're going to be doing? We're going to be singing some repetition. Holy, holy, holy. Over and over and over again is what the angels and the elders before the throne are singing. Holy. You know why? Because it's like the more you sing, it's like the deeper your heart goes into it. You can't get to the bottom of God's holiness. So you got to keep saying holy, holy, holy. So you can explore the depths of what that means. And sometimes we repeat stuff. Because I'm telling you, some of you in here, you've got some truth in your head, but it's not in your heart yet. You'll say God loves you, but you don't believe God loves you. You'll say you've been set free, but you don't really believe you're set free. You'll say you're going to heaven when you die, but you don't believe it. Sometimes you've got to start singing these things and say, I've been set free. I'm going to heaven. I am loved by God. So it goes from your head to your heart, and you step into it and start living like it. So sometimes we've got to repeat a few things around here so that it goes from our head into our heart, and we start believing what we say we believe there's a good reason. So don't, 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 don't turn away from it. Don't harden yourself to it. Jump into it, and it might just go deeper, and you might see some things blossom in your heart. And I know others of us, and, and, and by the way, this is every church's problem. I should say every church that's reaching people, and sometimes volume becomes a little bit of an issue. I get it. And we want to keep our, well, I guess our ear on it. All right, not our, I was going to say our eye on it, but I guess it would be our ear. Um, because we, we, we want to make sure we're not, you know, uh, hurting anyone's ear or anything like that. You need to know we always play our music at safe decibel levels. We're, we're at least 20 decibels lower than anything that could ever be damaging. But some of, sometimes we wonder, why do we, why do we 
why do we praise with such volume? Friends, I just want you to hear your pastor's heart in that. Can I tell you why we praise with some volume? Because Yahweh deserves it. Yahweh deserves a little volume. Shout for joy to the Lord. Shout. I love it. He deserved. Friends, if, if I had my way and there wasn't a board of directors, which think you can thank them for being in place, our neighbors would be calling us, say, can you please turn it down? Because this place would be vibrating. We would be rocking this place every week because my Yahweh deserves some noise. And I'm telling you, have you read Isaiah 6? Isaiah encounters God in the throne room. We are told the doors and the floor shake before the thunderous God, Yahweh. There will be places and times of peace in heaven. But I'm telling you, it is also going to be noisy. Because he is a thunderous God. So I'm just preparing you for heaven. You are welcome. <laughs> We're going to sing with a little volume. We're going to praise with a little volume. Because Yahweh deserves it. But I have not gotten to why we sing. Why this thing singing? Why do we do this? Okay? And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to just give you a few reasons. The time we have left. Why, why do we sing? Because I, I believe this. Some of you grew up in church. You've been singing your whole life. You never really step back to think, why do we do this? Why do we sing? Some of you are newer to this whole thing called church. Why do we sing? Why do we do this? Well, that's, that's what I want to talk about. Because I'm telling you, oh, singing songs before God, worshiping God. Profound things begin to happen. Profound things begin to happen. So let me... Just give us a few of those things that happen when we start to sing. Why do we sing? First off, when you sing, friends, you encourage each other. Okay, you maybe never thought about this. See, worship needs to have a corporate, it needs to have a community aspect to it. One of the reasons God gives us worship is to encourage each other. In fact, this is what Paul's talking about in Colossians 3.16 when he brings this up. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. How are we supposed to teach and admonish one another? How do we encourage one another? Listen to this. Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. How do we even teach each other? How do we build each other up in our faith? We sing songs to each other. And this thing we call corporate worship. So I'm not saying it's bad to sing songs by yourself. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm even talking to you online right now to, to, to worship God in your living room. But I'm saying there's something different. There's a, there's a calling to being together in community and singing and encouraging each other. Uh, last year, last summer, someone very special uh, to me died and uh, went to be with the Lord and someone who helped raise me and was very special in my life. It was my grandma. And uh, when, when someone passes away in your life, you just kind of find yourself asking some of the deeper questions of life. I mean, even we pastors go, go through that grieving process. And, and I found myself just asking questions like, God, am I really going to see my grandma again? 
God, is this resurrection thing real? God, is there really hope after life here on earth? I found myself asking those questions, and it's just death has a way of causing us, stirring those questions up. And then I would come into this place, and I would hear you lifting your voices to testify to the God of your testimony, and I was encouraged. Why? Because you were singing and you were telling God how good he is because of what he's done in your life. And that breathed encouragement and faith into your pastor. One of the reasons we sing, one of the reasons we do it in corporate is to encourage each other. All these individuals coming together with their own testimony, testifying to how good God has been. It can be very encouraging in our life. And I'm going to say something controversial here. Maybe you never thought about. Have you ever realized that if you want to walk in victory in this life, I didn't say salvation. Victory. You know what I mean by victory? Confidence. Hope in your heart. Knowing what you know. Believing what you say you believe. You want to walk in that? I'm going to, tell, I'm going to make a controversial statement. The blood of Jesus Christ is not enough. Now, you absolutely need the blood of Jesus Christ to give you, to give you victory, to give you salvation. It's the only thing that can. But the Bible actually teaches we need something else if we want to walk in victory, not just salvation, but victory. We read this about the saints in the book of Revelation, who were battling their own faith and were prone to want to turn away from God in light of the persecution they were facing. But look at what we read in Revelation. It says, they, the saints, have defeated him, talking about Satan, the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. How did they defeat him? By the blood of the lamb. And what does that say? And by their testimony. Friends, we need to hear each other's testimony. We need to hear each other testifying to how good God has been in your life. Because when it, we do that, it encourages us and it helps us to walk in victory. That's my hope for you when we walk out of a worship service on Sunday. It's like, I feel, I, I'm encouraged. I'm walking in victory. Satan doesn't have a place in my heart. I've just heard from hundreds how good this God is. It does something for us, friends, which means, by the way, your presence really does matter. Being here to testify to God, it makes a difference. And I want to say that to you who, who are watching online. We need you here. We need to hear more and more people testifying to the God of their testimony. And, and, and also, by the way, there is something powerful when that happens in diversity. And I mean diversity of age, diversity of ethnicity. And you hear people from all kinds of different backgrounds and age and, 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 and lives that have been lived coming together and worshiping Jesus in unity. It can be extremely encouraging for each one of our faith. And so your presence matters. I encourage you to be here, to be a part of this thing we do every week called worship. Second reason we worship God is because when you sing... You push back the darkness. Maybe some of you never thought about this. When you sing, you're pushing back 
the darkness. In fact, we read about this war that took place in the Old Testament. Uh, Judah finds itself under attack by at least three su surrounding people groups. Um, Jehoshaphat is the king at the time, and he knows that they're toast. They don't stand a chance, okay? And so what is, Jehoshaphat brings the people of Judah together, and he prays, and he gets some encouragement from one of the prophets, and then they have to go out to war, this war that they have no chance of winning. But look at what Jehoshaphat does. It says, as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. They went out to the head of the army. And, and, and what were they saying? Give, give uh, thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So what does Jehoshaphat do? It's this really interesting thing as the, the warriors go out uh, to battle. They send the worship team out ahead to be right in front. Which makes sense because if the arrows start flying, you can duck behind somebody on the worship team. Right? <laughs> Caleb's a pretty big guy. Okay? No, that's not why they do it. They do it because when you worship, guess what happens? You invite the presence of the Lord into your midst. When you worship, you say, God, we want you here. Verse 22 says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Verse 23, the Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering each other, the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. What did they do? They didn't do anything. They didn't even fight. They worship God and God fought for them. This is what happens when we gather and we sing. God starts pushing back the darkness in our lives. We are fighting a spiritual battle. Some of you don't realize this. I'm sorry, you just don't know. You are in a spiritual battle. If you don't know that this morning, you are in the matrix. You need to be unplugged. You need to awake. There is an enemy who is out to kill, steal, and destroy you and your family. And he is coming up against you, and he is powerful. But we worship one more powerful. And we can gather together, and we can sing. And when we sing, guess what happens? God fights for us. And we get the victory. Not from anything we can do, but because of what he can do. In fact, this morning, I was thinking about this. And God just gave me a vision. He gave me a vision. He gave me something. And, and, and it was this picture. I don't know if you've ever watched, like, Shark Week. You ever watch Shark Week, anybody? Like, you ever seen one of those nature shows where, where like, sharks, they, they, they track sharks around? You ever seen what happens when a shark swims into, like, a school of fish? You ever seen this? What, 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 what do the fish do? I mean, you see them. They, like, dart. They, like, flee. And they're all scrambling and trying to get out of there, and the sharks just kind of, just kind of. Sharks not worried about it. And what are the fish doing? Man, the fish are fleeing. 
And God just gave me this picture this morning. When we worship, listen to me. When we worship, we are inviting the shark into our presence. And the shark just swims through and everything that belongs to the devil starts to flee. Cannot be in the presence of the shark. Your God is a shark. Your God is a warrior and he will fight for you. All he asks is, hey, come before me and invite me into your presence through song. Why wouldn't we worship? You guys start to get a little excited for worship? Friends, this is powerful stuff that the Bible teaches happens when God's people gather and start singing. And I believe it makes a difference in our church, but I believe it makes a difference. The atmosphere literally starts changing in our community when God's people come together and start giving God praise. Amen? That's what we're called to do, friends, to be worshipers. Okay, so one last reason. Let me give you one last reason here. When you sing, you yourself will be transformed. Okay? You yourself will be transformed. Have you ever noticed that people start to look like their pets? You you ever said, like, that dude kind of looks like a pug? And then you find out he owns a pug? She kind of acts like a pit bull. And then you find out she has one. There's something about that, like, people start to look like their pets. I, I don't, which is why I would say don't get, like, the weirder animals, guys. Like, insects and snakes and cats. Like, I just avoid that. Um, listen, I don't know why people start to look like their pets. But did you ever realize that you also start to look like what you worship? You become like what you worship. In fact, the Bible teaches this from a negative sense. What happens when we worship idols, this is from Psalm 135, listen to this. The idols of the nation are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear, nor is their breath in their mouths. Those who make them, what does this say? Will be like them and all who trust in them. We don't worship things of silver and gold, maybe. But we do worship things like money. We can't even find ourselves worshiping things like sports. We can find ourselves worshiping a lot of things. And it's not that those things are all bad. The problem is those things don't have life in them. And they don't have the ability to give you life. And so when you worship them and you make them first in your life, what happens? You become dead like those things are. When we worship idols, we become dead like our idols because those things don't have the power to give life to us. When you worship Yahweh, you are now worshiping the author of life. And he has the power to begin breathing life into you so that you become alive. I was reading about these ancient seeds that were just recently found. They were interestingly... 2,000 years old, and they were found in King Herod's palace. Seeds had been dormant. They, they hadn't grown. And so scientists naturally got their hands on these, and they wanted to see, what are these ancient plants that these seeds will produce? So they put it in some soil, and they watered it, and these seeds blossomed into some beautiful palm trees, ancient palm trees. I believe that some of us, we love God. We love Jesus. But you have seeds in your heart right now that have not started to grow yet. You've got some seeds in your heart that are lying dormant. 
seeds of joy, seeds of peace, seeds of hope, seeds of life itself is in some of your hearts, but they haven't blossomed yet. And I'm telling you, if you want to see joy start to blossom in your heart, if you want to see peace start to blossom in your heart, you want to see hope and life itself start to blossom in you so that you are living it and experiencing it, it is only going to happen for some of you in the water and the soil of praising Jesus. That is what's going to cause those seeds to finally start to grow. And you're going to go, whoa, this is what the Christian life is all about. Jesus, you are good. And I'm telling you, it only happens when we engage this thing called worship. Just standing there or sitting there or just trying to get through it, never going to unlock those seeds in your heart. And so, friends, what I want to do is I want to encourage you. This is my challenge to you today, my just simple challenge. It's easy. Just engage. Engage. Start singing the songs. Put your heart into it. What does Jesus say? Jesus in John 4, listen to this. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit. By the way, some commentators think that's the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's talking about our spirit. Those of us who put our heart in saying, God, you're good. That's the spirit God is looking for. And in truth, knowing who he is. And look what Jesus says. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. Are you someone who worships in truth? Yes. But also in spirit? I know sometimes we like to get our coffee and just come in here and hold our coffee. And by the way, we love you, coffee guy. But maybe this is the week where you need to say, I need to start engaging. You can still hold your coffee. you got a free hand. Maybe you raise it and say, God, you're good. I love you. I want to press into who you are. I want to invite you into this place. I want to testify to the God of my testimony. We all get a chance to do that uh, today. We're going we're gonna to worship. We're going to worship, friends. Who are we worshiping? We are worshiping the great I am. We are worshiping the God of truth. We are worshiping the God of all good things. We are worshiping the God who is there for us in our darkest hour. We are worshiping the God who is there when no one else was picking up the phone call or returning our text. We are worshiping the God who went to the cross to die so we could have eternal life with him. Friends, we are worshiping Yahweh. You think we can get a little excited about that? (laughs) All right. Well, then here, let's stand up. Let's stand up. Can we do that? Let's give God some thanks this morning.